Good evening, everyone. It's good to be here. Uh, my name is Hua Ken, and I serve in our Mandarin worship in um, the, the, the church downstairs. <laughs> um, there was once a little boy who was very focused in drawing a picture. And because he was so focused, the mom was very curious. And so the mom leaned over and asked that little boy, John, John, what are you drawing? The little boy looked up to the mom and says, Mom, I'm drawing God. The mom looked at the boy and says, What? You really are drawing God? You know, nobody knows how God looks like, you know. The boy scratched his head a little while and says, Oh, mom, you will know when I'm finished with this drawing. Don't you think that it's quite cute that the little one would want to draw a picture of cool goddess? But the question I want to ask us tonight is, what do you think God looks like? If you have a picture of God in your heart, how is He liked? And tonight, we're going to look at God as a loving Father to us. Before we continue, shall we pray and invite the Lord to speak to our hearts and ask the Spirit of God to open our hearts for His love. Lord, we thank You for tonight. Guide us, lead us, help us in such a way that as we listen to You, Holy Spirit, Your Word says in Romans 5, that the love of God is shared abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. And we invite you, dear Holy Spirit, to come and pour out that love in our hearts together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And so this is how we're going to take a look at um, who God is like. First of all, we're going to look at the parable of the waiting father. And as we look at it, it gives us a glimpse of what kind of a father he is. But then, we are also going to continue to look at how Jesus and His relationship with God the Father. You know, when you talk about experiencing the Father's love, the main concept that I think I would like all of us to be able to have is the picture of a God that is compassionate and kind. A God that is always, who cares for the pains in our lives, who cares for the pains in this world and He wants to pour out His love on us to heal us of all our pains. And then finally, we're going to take a look at our relationship with God the Father and how we can learn to draw from the love of God so that full of His love, we can live a life that will resemble Him, that will represent Him correctly in where we are staying and to our families. You know, um, God is the one who instituted marriage between a man and a woman. We know that in Genesis chapter 2, God created Adam and Eve. And then in chapter 2 verse 18 in Genesis, God says, It is not good that man should be alone and I will make a helper fit for him. So only when Eve was created and joined in marriage with Adam, 
that the image of God was fully represented. You know, you, you know the story of creation, right? Everything that God, and each day when God created, He says, it's good, it's good, it's good. And only when He saw Adam alone, God says, this is no good, He's alone. And then, God created Eve. You know, sometimes I like to picture myself, you know, when I was reading this passage, you know, myself to be Adam, you know, sleeping, and then suddenly one of my ribs missing, and then when I woke up, it's like, Whoa! What a pretty lady in front of me! And that's the best that God has given to me. Wow! And in only when Adam and Eve are connected together, they represent the fullness of who God is in relationship with one another. Both Adam and Eve together with God becomes a community where there is love, where there's respect, where there's honour in each other before sin came in. And so, only in the institution of marriage between a man and a woman can godly offspring be produced. That has always been God's intention. There's no other ways. A man and a woman loving each other, loving God, coming together in marriage and then... Where, 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 where? Little baby come along and godly offspring continues the legacy of the goodness of God and love that is shared in that family. That has always been and will always be the heart of God for all of us who are married, who have established. Because marriage is an institution that God has established. You know, if you have a two-year-old little boy, and if this little boy one day suddenly come running to you, oh, daddy, daddy, mommy, mommy, oh, then show you the little finger, oh, pin, 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 pin. What would you do? Stop crying lah. Oh, little boy, you cannot cry. Do you do that? Or would you rather, when you saw the little boy coming to you, your heart melts, and you will carry the little boy in your arms and say, Oh, pin pin, let me see. Uh. Oh, really so pin. Actually, it's just a small little card. And then what do you do? Usually, I would, if it is my son, oh, it's okay, it's okay. Oh, let's pray, okay? God, I uh, will heal you or uh, you'll be alright. You know what? Actually, I just said a short prayer. God healed him. And then after the hug, the child is happy running away. What do you think the little one is trying to get from the father or the mother. Basically, he's just simply trying to say, Daddy, this is painful here a little bit. Does this pain matter to you? And when the father hugs the child and, and pray and you know, uh, show him a little bit of uh, affection, you know what? The, heart's, uh, uh, the, the, the little child's heart is full and he knows, Oh, this pain matters to my daddy. Oh, I am okay. And he started to go away happily playing with his friend. And that is why we see King David in Psalms 103 says this, that the Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him, for he knows we are weak. And he remembers we are only dust. David described God as a compassionate father 
who knows his children and understands his their weaknesses. He is ever tender, loving and caring towards all who genuinely fear and revere him. That is the kind of God that we are talking about. A God that is tender, a God that is compassionate. In the year 1997, in China, in a place called Shantong Province, there was a man called Guo Zhen, uh, no, Guo Gang, uh, Guo Gang Tang, or his name a bit hard to pronounce, Guo Gang Tang, at his home outside, his two-year-old boy was playing, and tragically, that little boy was abducted by a couple, and was brought away from his hometown and sold into another family. This began a 24-year-long search for his son. If you see uh, the, the picture there, it's a movie uh, by Andy Lau riding on the bike. It's a true life story of this guy's life, uh, inspired by this guy's life. It's called Siku. And so, for 24 years, Searching for his son for most of the time, he was riding on a bike from province to province in China, except Xinjiang and maybe except uh, Tibet. He has traveled almost all of China on a bike in search of his son. Along the way, he has helped many other couples who have their children abducted with the help of the Chinese police to find back their own children. He has helped many more other broken families searching for their son to be reunited. But yet, he went on that search for 24 years. And finally, in the year 2021, that's just last year, with the help of the Chinese police and, and all the modern techniques you have, DNA and so on and so forth, finally, he was reunited with his son. Can you imagine what kind of a persevering love this father has for his son? A love that brought him all over China, just except for that two province. But you know what, brothers and sisters? The Gospel of Luke tells us of another amazing father. And he is the father that waits and waits and waits because He is a God that loves us. And I'm sure if, you, um, uh, if I mention to you the story and we go and uh, search the Scriptures in Luke 15, probably most of us will be aware of uh, what the story is about. Basically, this father had two sons. The younger one came to the father and said, Hey, I'm old enough. Give me my inheritance. And amazingly, the father gave him the inheritance and off that younger one goes squandered all that money and eventually because of a famine and everything else, he ended up in a pigsty. And that is where he came to his senses and that is where, you know what happens? He says, oh, my father's house, even the servants are better fed than I am right now in the state I am in. And then he began the journey back home. As I think about the story, one of the questions that I always ask myself is this. Why does the son wants to leave the house? Ever thought of that before? Why do you think the son would want to leave the house? Is it because he has a bad relationship with the father? 
not like Lee, right? If you look at what kind of father uh, he is, uh, uh, even the inheritance gave him, what kind of, how bad the father would be. Or maybe he had a bad relationship with his older uh, brother, you know, sibling rivalries, you know. uh, It happens among brothers and sisters. Could that be the reason? Maybe, perhaps, but the Bible doesn't tell us. You know, just like the story of Kuo Kang Tang just now, where the little son was abducted by a couple. Sin abducted this young man and put him and draw him and sold him into the world where eventually uh, he was estranged from the father and eventually he had to settle in a place that could be worse than a pigsty. The young son needs to experience the Father's love. And may I add on to that, that brothers and sisters, all of us too, we need to experience the love of the Father in our lives. Let's take a look at the Father Himself. Look at the joy in His face. But before we go on to look at the response, but be, uh, uh, as you think of the story, initially I was a bit uh, um, puzzled. How can a father do such a thing? Now, isn't it a ridiculous thing for a father to give his inheritance away, divide it in a half and give it to his son? Is he an overindulgent father? I know if my son would have come and asked me for any inheritance, I know what I would say to him and what I would do to him. What would you? What would you do? But here in this story, we see that without question, the father willingly gave his inheritance to the son. The question that I'd like to ask all of us as we think about this story is this. How did the son experienced the father's love. We talk about God's love, right? So how did the son experience the father's love? Now, he is not a good son, right? Uh, disrespectful, wanting uh, the money, go, squandered, and so on and so forth. Got his whole life messed up. And how can someone that is at the pit of his life experience a loving father? And this is where you can see in the scripture there, it says, uh, when the son came to his senses, in verse 20 it says, and he rose and came to his father. And, but while he is still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. At this verse, I'm always amazed when I read this verse. You know why? How come the father would know that the son is back home? How come while the son is still a long way away, the father already saw him and ran to him? How come the father is able to do that? My guess would be probably every, ever since the son left the house, the father would have been every day looking out from his house to see and wait for the son to come back home again. But he didn't stop there when he saw the son comes back. 
He felt compassion, but the compassion of God, of this father, what happens? Made him, uh, drove him into action. He ran and embraced and kissed his son. But not only that, he asked the servants, put, put on the best robe, put, put a ring on his hand, his shoes on his feet, and then have a party and a celebration. What kind of a father is that? That is how the son experienced the father's love. In all logical mind, if that person is my son, when he comes back home, I'll probably give him a piece of the mind. Now you dare to come back. Oh, now you squandered everything already. Now you come back. Oh, da, da, da. I would probably give him for half an hour, the next uh, half an hour, all that I would thought about what a terrible son he is. But yet, this prodigal son did not get what he deserved. Instead, he received what he did not deserve at all. And that is the compassion, the mercy, and the love of God that is poured out on him without reprimanding him, according to the Scriptures. And may I suggest, that is how the son experienced the father's love. Romans 2 verse 4 says this, that do you not know that the kindness of God is meant to lead you to repentance? Sometimes we are so hard and fast about right and wrong, do and do, oh, you do bad things, or the, but yet Romans reminds us that because of the goodness of God that you begin to see, oh God, you are so good, and oh, I am not a good person, and therefore, I humbly surrender and submit myself to a loving God. Brothers and sisters, that is how this young man experienced the love of Father. He deserved punishment. He deserved ridicule. He deserved scolding or whatsoever from a father. But yet, he, but yet what he got back is more than, it's not what he thought it would be because the love of God the Father. I'm sure by now, most of us who have been familiar with this verse, and especially in verse 24, it says that uh, God, the one who wants to boast about, uh, uh, let him boast in that he knows God, and that he, uh, God is the one who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. We are well taught uh, constantly and reminded that the character of God uh, is founded in this steadfast love, in justice and in righteousness. That God is all at the same time, all loving. He's all at the same time just and He's all at the same time righteous in our lives. And you know what? Because He is loving, He will always do things that is loving towards us. Because that's the motivation in His heart. You know the word steadfast love here? Uh, my, I look it up in a dictionary. It, it meant also a loyal love of faithfulness. A love that will not depart. A love that is perfect. And a love that surpasses all other love that we can ever have. You hear what I just said? The perfect love of God displayed through His character is a love that is perfect, that is surpasses 
all other kind of worldly love. That once you have tasted that love of God, you will not want to settle for anything that is less than that. Better than a husband and wife's love. You know, there's a man that um, impacted my life many years ago. His name is Sire Rogers. Uh, he came, uh, he was living in Singapore for a period of time, and he's the one who started a ministry to same sex people uh, many years ago. So he came and taught us in um, our, our YWAM, our, uh, in some of our teachings. And one of the sharing that really impacted me was this that while he was young, living a, a, a gay lifestyle, he asked this question What really made me live that gay lifestyle? At that point, he was saying you know, that his life, he was earning well, uh, he was uh, getting along fine with his boss, and actually, according to the standards of the world, he is quite okay. But what made him willingly wants to live a lifestyle that is like that? You know what he says? In one of those days, while he was trying to calm himself down and trying to meditate, Suddenly, in that moment when he was sitting down and trying to calm his own mind and heart, suddenly he heard this song. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. And there was a song that many, 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 many years ago, while he was still a little boy, that his parents brought him to church on the Sunday school. And as he was sitting there trying to calm his mind, trying to give himself some peace in his mind, the song ran over and over and over and over again in his mind. And suddenly, he was overwhelmed with the love of God. And that he knows at that instant that he has tasted the love of God, something that is so precious that all his other loves could not offer. And that is the reason and the only reason why he started to take that bold step of living that kind of the lifestyle. And God indeed blessed him, guided him, and he became such a blessing to so many people. That's the first picture that I want us to see what kind of a father he is. Can you remember? He is compassionate and kind. Next, we want to look at Jesus and his relationship with God, our Father. Now that knowing that God is such a God, how is Jesus' relationship with God the Father? From where can we see uh, how this relationship is being displayed out? That God is love, that God is compassionate towards our Lord Jesus Christ. Before we look at the scripture, can you recognize what is on the screen? Okay, he's a Korean guy. He's an actor with a triplet. Um, they were in a variety show called Superman Returns. How many of you watched that? Okay, young people, I know you. I only, only one hand. Okay, that was a few years back already. And in that, uh, in that variety show, Superman Returns, what happens was this, that they will call all these celebrity dads, get them to be together, to spend like maybe two or three days with their son or their daughter without the mum. 
And together, father and son will go and experience and do some things together. And so, uh, this, uh, this guy with his triplet son become very popular. Uh, by the way, I think he's very patriotic. His older son name is called Tehan. Second son is called Mingguk. And the third son is called Manse. You put the names together, it means long live South Korea. <laughs> and so, in one of the episodes, the number two, um, uh, Mingguk, uh, what happened was this, that they were walking out on the street somewhere. And the father and the number one and number three were walking slightly in front. And this little number two was trailing behind. And, and as they were walking, suddenly the neighborhood people recognized that there's a celebrity that's around. And these three little cute little boys was around. People starts to gather. And you know what happens? This little number two began excitedly pointing to the father that's in front, looking at the crowd of people that's gathering and shouting out in his heart, my daddy, my daddy, that is my daddy. That little sin touched my heart. Where you see a little two-year-old boy so much adoring his own father. How about Jesus and the relationship with God the Father? First of all, we know in Scripture uh, that from young, Jesus knew that he has a mission. And so in, uh, in that scripture that we saw in Luke, uh, in that we see in the screen, Luke 2 verse 49, we know that Jesus was with his family in uh, Jerusalem celebrating the Passover. And when it's time for the parents to go home, they lost him and couldn't find where he is. And finally, after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting together with the teachers of the law, discussing with them and asking them questions. And then the mom pulled him to the side and says, Son, why do you do this to me? And Jesus' response was this. In verse 49, he says, Why did you seek me? Do you not know that I must be about my father's business? So we see from a very young age, our Lord Jesus has a unique kind of a special relationship with God the Father and He knows that His life is to be about God the Father's business at 12 years of age. Then we later on see that as Jesus matured and began to have His disciples in Luke chapter 11, uh, uh, Jesus was praying somewhere. The disciples saw how He was praying and they were interested in how to pray and then they came to Jesus. In verse 1 it says, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught His disciples. And then you see that Jesus not only addressed God as His Father, now, in, in prayer, he taught his disciples in the same way to address God as our Heavenly Father. So Jesus addresses God as our Heavenly Father, but yet at the same time, those who believe in Jesus are also in a place of prayer, enter in a special relationship where we can call God our Father. I've been mentioning this word Father, Father for a long time. Right? I don't know what goes through your mind. How is this word, what does it mean to you? To me, it is a special relationship. I will not anyhow call anyone Father. Only one person. But of course now, being a follower of Jesus, I have 
my heavenly Father. And so the word Father speaks of a special relationship. A relationship that is close. A relationship that, is, that has influence over our life. And a relationship that actually, a lot of times, we take it for granted. In Jesus' baptism, we see that this relationship between the Father and Jesus became uh, exemplified. You, You know, talking about God as our Father, I think most of us here would not have a problem to accept the fact that God is our Heavenly Father. But you know what? Sometimes how we picture God is as our Father is affected by our earthly fathers, our view of God as a father, sometimes is affected by um, our earthly father, whether they are good or they are not good. So I remembered once I was teaching and talking about this, God being our father in a DTS setting, in a class setting. Uh, One of the students was a Korean uh, missionary. He was a pastor, uh, attended his resignation, became a missionary, and now came to Singapore uh, to do a course with us together. And so I was talking about the fact that God is our Father. And what kind of Father He is? He's compassionate and kind. During the break time, this, um, um, this pastor, this missionary came up to me and he says, Joaquin, thank you for your teaching. But you know what? I, don't, I cannot accept the fact that I have to call God my Father. So in, conversation, in having a conversation with him, suddenly I realized that he did not have a very good relationship with his earthly father. And therefore, he had difficulty trying to recognize God as his heavenly father. So what about Jesus' and his relationship with God the Father? Here, in Mark chapter 1, verse 9 to 11, we see that as Jesus uh, came to be baptized by John in the Jordan, What happens when Jesus came out of the water? Immediately, the heavens were being torn open and a spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. I don't know about you, and I was trying to picture myself where Jesus was. It's quite a scenario to watch, you know, that suddenly the heavens were open. What does it mean? The heavens been torn open. What kind of a language it is? Uh, is there anywhere else in the Bible that we find a language like that, that heavens been torn open? Actually, if you search in Ezekiel, in Isaiah, in Psalms, they all talk about renting the heavens, crying out to God. And so, as I was thinking about this part where, you know, as Jesus goes into the water, comes out and the heavens were open, one of the implications I would learn is that, brothers and sisters, heaven is no longer silent. The heavens are no longer brass. God has once and for all established communication between heaven and humanity through Jesus Christ. Through his obedience in going through the baptism, God now speaks to us through Jesus Christ. And he is not silent. But not only that, 
we see that the Spirit also descended like a dove. What does that mean too? It simply means that God anoints Jesus with the Holy Spirit and power. You know, um, in Acts chapter 10, it says, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. And how Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. So God not only um, um, opens heavens, you know, that we through Jesus Christ can have this communication. God empowers Jesus, anointed him so that he has the power to do the things God wants him to do. Jesus knows that he has a mission to accomplish, but God doesn't give him a blank check. Oh, you go and do this on your own. Go and do it yourself. But in calling Jesus, consecrating him and commissioning him to do what the Father wants, God empowers him with the Holy Spirit so that he is not alone. He has that power to do what God wants him to do. You know, interestingly, the Pharisees came and challenged Jesus. Where did he get his authority from? You can find that in the book of Mark and Matthew. Uh, when they came and challenged, you know what Jesus asked them? Jesus asked them the question about his baptism and John's baptism. Why? Because it is at a place, I believe, when the Spirit of God came down like a dove, Jesus received the authority to do the things that God calls him to do. And finally, what is the significance of the voice that come from heaven? You know, all the four Gospels talks about this uh, passage of Scripture, about Jesus' baptism. But what I like in John chapter 1, verse 34 is this, that John himself, he says this, And I myself, that is Apostle John, have seen and have testified that this is the Son of God. What does this term, great, Son of God, but what does this term mean then in this context? It means he is the Messiah. It means that Jesus has a special status that even demons will be uh, afraid of him. But more than that, more than a special status, it means a special relationship that Jesus calls God his Abba Father, a term of endearment that only uh, that kind of a special relationship uh, can provide. And not only that, with that intimacy and that empowerment, comes a special assignment in Jesus' baptism. What happens? He receives his commission to do the work that God calls him to do. And so, if you were Jesus and you saw all of these things, what do you think it meant for you? For Jesus, I think it would, be a, it would have been a life-shaping experience that conformed, confirms his calling and his identity. This is important. God the Father in the baptism gives Jesus his identity and a calling in his life so that his life is not just here and now, but he has a purpose to live his life for. But not only that, it is a life-changing experiences uh, for Jesus because it is a time that God consecrates him, give him the commission and authority to do the things that God wants him to do. 
That is how God the Father, in His love for His Son, during the baptism, gives Him an identity, gives Him a calling, plus the authority, and consecrate Him for the purposes of God. Back to this story, remember? That little boy, Mingut, that says, My dad, my dad. But you know, at the baptism of Jesus, is the other way around. Instead of the Son, it is God the Father that is telling to all those that were gathered at the Jordan River, My Son, My Son, this is My beloved Son, whom I am well pleased. Totally expressing of His emotion, unashamed of who Jesus is to the world. And that is the kind of love that God has for His Son. What a God what a father. What an expression of love that God would show for the world to see that Jesus indeed is the beloved Son of God and God loves Him without any question. Can you imagine what does in Jesus' heart when God the Father does that? And the voice suddenly, boom! This is my Son! Wow! What an awesome God. And finally, what about our relationship with God the Father? God established marriage and through marriage, God wants to see that He be glorified when we produce godly children, godly offspring. And therein, we have a family. You know, a few days ago, I was at the MRT train. I take MRT train to work and everywhere. And there I saw this advertisement. Dad, you are your child's first influencer. And by the way, this is done by Health Promotion Board in collaboration together with um, um, what's the MCCY. And uh, so it shows that our government recognizes the importance of family and the importance of a role that fathers would play in the family, especially in a children's life. We saw in Jesus' baptism, God the Father giving him his identity, giving him his calling and purpose. In the same way, in the family, God wants the Father to rise up, especially in such a time as this. Well, now we, you hear a lot of uh, news nowadays, right? With uh, our PM making the announcement and so on and so forth. Even more so, that's, this is the time for us to rise up to the place where we can, in this, uh, okay, I, so I, out of curiosity, I, I uh, when uh, in, in the MRT uh, advertisement, there's a, a, a QR code I scanned, I went in. They actually had a, a video that talks about this. And basically, the gist of that video, it says, that's, you got to lead by example. You cannot just say, say only. And <laughs> the example that the dad leads is actually from small little things. Eating vegetables. Don't play with handphone on the, over the muse. From small little things, not big things, you know, but sometimes we like to do the big things, tell them what it's all about. We forgot that it's the small little things that actually influences our children's life. Remember Sarah Rogers I mentioned just now earlier? In his teaching, or rather, I know, um, 
in his struggle with his sexuality. And through the many years of ministering to those who are struggling with SSA, Sai himself came to realize that actually there are developmental changes in children and parents are to be a part of their children's development. He asked this question in one of his teachings. How does a boy or a girl eventually end up to be a healthy heterosexual relationship? The boy doesn't just wake up one day and says, Hey, I like girls. Or a girl doesn't just one day wake up, Hey, I like guys. How does it eventually happen? What are some things that needs to be put in place in a child's life where eventually they can be healthily a guy loving, a boy loving a girl and a girl loving a boy? And this is where Sire in his teaching uh, came about with these four stages of how a boy and a girl builds up his identity. Children are born with an empty cup of identity and security. When the child is born, they are, they do not know. It's empty. It needs to be developed. And so, in stage one, um, the, probably the age is, uh, you can uh, debate about it, uh, but uh, I think the important thing is this. And that stage one, while the child is still young, little boy attached to mommy must learn to detach because he must pattern after daddy. So, it is mommy and daddy that is important in that little child's life. Security from mommy and identity from daddy by doing things together. Now, just now we talk about God's love. We talk about the fact that our God is perfect and God in itself is um, more than sufficient. God's love are for us. But when it comes to family, to fully represent the love of God, you need a mommy and a daddy to provide that security and identity for the child. And then as the child grows up in his teenage years, they need to have certain amount of exposure and time to spend with the same-sex peer groups. Boys with boys, girls with girls, and through that playing together, they form the identity of who they are. And then eventually, stage three and four, where that's where once they are secured in that identity, they can move out to explore the opposite sex. And Sar says this, a lot of times when this development is not uh, properly developed, we get fixated at the age that we are, and either by with guys or with girls, and we cannot mature and grow out of that. Seventeen years ago, somewhere in uh, in Busan, in Korea, I was blessed to have a little son born. But you know what? Before my son was born, um, we were in China as missionaries. Um, my wife and I, uh, in our second year of marriage, we had our, uh, a miscarriage first. It was uh, quite a painful time for us. Then what happened was this, that um, we prayed, the Lord comforted us, and we felt that we were ready for our second child. And so, uh, it was maybe after that, uh, two months after that uh, first miscarriage. Now, one of the Saturday morning, 
I was doing my devotion and preparing to share God's Word, I came across this scripture. Uh, in Exodus uh, 23, verse 25 to 26. I'll just read 26. No one shall suffer miscarriage or be barren in your land. I will fulfill the number of your days. Now, if you look at the context of this scripture, God is speaking through Moses to the children of Israel that if they were to obey God and to serve God, they will not suffer miscarriage at all. You know, when I saw that scripture, I jumped out of my chair and says, whoa, I, at a point in time, I never thought that such a thing as miscarriage would be mentioned in the Bible. And I was so excited. I grabbed my Bible. I ran to the kitchen. I looked for my wife and says, dear, dear, look, this is what the word of God says. And straight away on spot, we prayed and says, God, thank you for your word. We trust that we will not have miscarriage anymore. You know what happens? That evening, we were supposed to host a friend to come for our house for dinner. He was late for more than an hour. <laughs> wow. So in a waiting, suddenly, you know, my wife, uh, was, what's wrong with you, man? Are you not well? But because uh, I was uh, busy on a weekend schedule to uh, preach in a church and so on and so forth, uh, we didn't get to do any test kits. But the following Monday, we went, bought the kid, and this is Elliot, our son, that God promised us that as we serve him wholeheartedly, he removed miscarriage from my family. Sounds like a great story, right? Then, in my happy moments, I sent email all over to my friends to tell them, yeah, I got a son, I got a son. You know what happens? One of my friends who's a pastor in New Zealand sent me an email message. You know what he says? Congrats, Joaquin. From today onwards, you have another pair of eyes who will watch over you. How you treat your wife, how you treat your friends, and silently but surely, everything that you do, he will be watching over. I was like, what a... Congratulate note on uh, my firstborn son that someone would send me. But I thought that was so much wisdom because after 17 years, what this pastor says still remains in my mind. Fathers, how are we doing in our parenting with our children? I must confess, while all this experience has been cloud nine for me, but many a times I do struggle and I realize that I don't have enough to really, really know how to love my son. And in those moments when I'm discouraged or I'm at a loss, how I can, you know what happens? I turn to the Lord and God comforted me and gave me wisdom to be the father that he taught me to be. And so, tonight we've been talking a lot about who God is as the Father who loves and He waits, a Father that is compassionate. We've talked about uh, how Jesus and His relationship with God and the Father. And also we've talked about the fact that for us, in our relationship with our, our Heavenly Father, we are to represent who God is to our family, to our children. As we close our time together. I want to show us a little video uh, by Sire Rogers. You know, um, just like uh, just now the story Kuo Kang Tang, where his son 
was abducted by that couple and sold away. Likewise, humanity has been abducted by sin, sold into the world, and that we are estranged from our Heavenly Father. Sin marks our life and many a times become a, 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 a blockage to our knowing who God is. But tonight, as we look at uh, who God is, let us draw close to Him and allow God to minister His love to us. Let's look at the video. You know, my daughter was a very physical child and she used to like to beat me up and make me bleed. Later, when she was a teenager, I bled financially. But anyway, this was literal blood in her childhood. And so we were having a ruffle and tumble one day and she was chasing me through the house. I tried to escape her and set up an ambush. So I ran down the one-way hallway toward the bedrooms. I turned the corner into her room thinking I had escaped her observation, but I was wrong. She saw me around that corner. And so I turn around now that I'm in the room, and there she approaches the door. Her eyes glisten as she realizes, Daddy is trapped. <laughs> well, she got ready to launch her attack, and she made her move. And, and I made my move, and I said... And she launched into me her assault, and you know how it is. My arm kind of defensively, reflexively went up like this to block the blow, but my elbow clipped the little shelf that had the angel on it, and I knocked that baby into orbit. Time, time sort of t stood still as the angel teetered back and forth on the edge of the ledge. And then it lost the fight with gravity and it began to tumble through space. And my daughter and I tried to intercept it. No! And it fell on the floor and it broke. Ruined. We walked over to the little pile. My daughter looked down at it and looked up at me and she said, You killed her. <laughs> I said, You know, I said, Honey, you know, I'm a modern father. I said, honey, daddy has a credit card. <laughs> daddy will buy you another one. And she said, but I love this one. And then she said, fix it. I said, okay. So I, I, I got some cardboard and I put the broken pieces on it. And I, you know, I, I took the angel to the dining room table to get the super glue to mend it. My daughter following behind me dressed in black, a shawl on her head, beating her breast. I tell people I do not know where she gets her dramatic flair. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, I got the super glue out and I began to mend that broken mess. And, you know, chips and cracks and missing pieces. I assembled this thing. And it looked more like a mosaic. And, and I, I presented it to her and I said, honey, think Picasso. And I gave her the angel and... Oh, and I, and I felt badly. I did. I said, you know, honey, I broke it. I'm sorry. Let me, let me get you another something. I don't know if I'll ever find an angel, but let me get you something else. You know, I'm really sorry I broke it. It's never going to be perfect again. And she said an amazing thing. She said, don't throw it away, Daddy. It doesn't have to be perfect for me to love it. And then just stabbed me in the heart. I think you get the point as we wrap it up tonight. We look at our lives. We feel very disqualified sometimes from the love of God because we are so painfully aware of the broken 
places in our soul, the chips, the cracks, the missing pieces that make us feel disqualified from his love. And you cannot forget, God paid the highest price possible to have you broken. And he would rather have that than not at all. But then he'll take you further. Where one day we'll be beyond all of this. Like that old song says, it will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Life's trials will seem so small once we see him. One glimpse of his dear face, all this sorrow will be erased. It will be worth it all when we see him. And that's what I want to leave you with tonight in the hope that it will encourage you to not quit, to get up, and to run to the one who gives you your value. Amen. God bless you. Thank you. And so, brothers and sisters, our God is a compassionate God who loves us. I do not know where your life is today. Where, which station are you at? But tonight, as we talk about the love of the Father, our Father is already waiting with open hands. And I want to invite you to respond to God this night. If you want to receive the love of the Father, as we sing the song, Come to the Father, I want to invite you to come to the front. The altar is open. God's presence is here already that as you keep your eyes on Him and respond to Him that the love of God will pour upon your hearts over and over again it is not just for Sarah Rogers it's for all of us who is willing to respond so this is the first thing that I want you to respond to our Father's love and if you feel that you want to do that I want to encourage you to come forward but the second thing I want to us is this those who are fathers here tonight I'm well aware that I'm not a perfect one and I so need the love of God in my life there are so many times I've blown it away except for the grace of God tonight I want to challenge our fathers to rise up to receive the love of God and to represent God rightly in your family and if this is what God is speaking to you I want to encourage you to come forward too as we worship the Lord together lead us together in worship shall we all stand together